nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scoured the globe with top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So welcome to another weekend short of the Matter of a Mind experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. So last week, I explained a hack with nutrition when it comes to controlling your blood sugar, right? Managing your blood glucose, which helps to lower um, spikes and also to lower cravings. So if you didn't listen to that short from last week, I think it was like nine to 10 minutes, go back and listen to it. Or last weekend, I should say. So this weekend, I'm going to follow up with that topic, right? I'm going to talk a little bit about exercise and blood sugar control and why it is important in this process. And at the end, I'll give you a list of the best exercises for blood sugar control. So stick through. This going to be another short, probably not even more than 10 minutes or so, right? But before I begin, remember to check out the Zika recommendation page for all products that I've recommended for fitness, health, and fat loss. The link is in the show notes. And of course, the show notes are going to be in the description of the podcast and in the description of the podcast too. <laughs> so the link for Zika recommendation page is going to be in the show notes and in the description of the podcast. And with that being said, let's get started. Let's begin by discuss why blood sugar control is important. And I talked about it a little bit on the last short. So let's just dive into it a little bit more today, right? See, research, research tells us that there are connections between insulin resistance and weight gain. In fact, I believe that most people who are overweight or have, have some level of insulin resistance because the insulin is what took the excess sugars and stored it as fat, which leads to insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, and of course, later on, type 2 diabetes. So poor blood sugar control leads to insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, and type 2 diabetes. Up to 47% of people worldwide are insulin resistant. So not even diabetic, insulin resistant. In my interview with uh, Emily Cornelius, we talked about before you become di um, pre-diabetic or diabetic, you're insulin resistant, insulin insensitive, right? And that leads to being pre-diabetic or diabetic. So it wasn't that you walk into the doctor and oh my God, I have diabetes now. This has been happening for years and years and years are aimed to get you to that point. The next thing I didn't put in my notes here, but I mentioned it in last weekend short, was it helps to lower cravings, which is very important because we don't just want to go on a, calorie restriction diet, and then we want to eat everything on the sun and we're miserable. This is, why, this is why diets don't work, especially when they focus on calories. They just don't work because, because you're, you're missing the full scope of the story. So as promised, let's talk about exercise. See, when you exercise, your muscles use more glycogen, the sugar in your bloodstream that we know of, right? See, over time, 
This can lower your blood sugar levels. It also makes the insulin in your body work better. So it sounds easy, right? Exercise more and lower blood sugar. But if only everything in life was that simple, because the type of exercise is important. So here's a list of some of the best exercises to um, help you control blood sugar. And this is not my personal list. I got it from Healthline, but I reviewed it before I'm, I'm going to lay it out. So I really like this list. In fact, I've talked about a lot of these, if not all of these at some point on different episodes of my show. But walking, cycling, swimming, team sports, aerobic dance, weightlifting, resistance band exercises, calisthenics. Do you know what these really do have in common, though? And I've talked about this many times on my show. I wonder if everybody can guess it. Even though I can't hear you, but I'm going to assume that you've been listening so you know the answer. They are not strenuous and can be done at your own pace. Some can just say downright enjoyable, especially team-related sports, right? Primarily training you in level two. Now, you can say, depending on the sport, depending on what the exercise is, you can kick it up a notch and go high intensity and all that stuff. We all know that, right? But I'm going to hope that you don't do that. And you actually listen and you follow in training zone two, like I've mentioned. See, moderate intensity training, even if you temporarily um, cross the anaerobic zone, leads to more um, beneficial fat loss and blood sugar control. See, high-intensity training can be helpful for many reasons. And we have more evidence now that explains the benefit of moderate versus high-intensity. Because excessive, and, and the, the key word there is excessive. That's what people miss. Because I don't, don't bastardize high-intensity because there are benefits for that as well. But excessive high-intensity actually creates more sugar cravings. See, high-intensity training... Um, causes you to provide to, to provide the stress hormones such as adrenaline, which let me say it again, because I said it wrong. Let me kind of back up. So high intensity training, right? Promotes um more stress hormones like adrenaline, which stimulates your liver to release more glucose, which then can also release cortisol. And we know the relationship. I've talked about that. Dr. Michael Platt will be my show. I've talked about that. If you didn't listen to my episode with Dr. Michael Platt, go back and listen to that as well. He talks about the adrenaline cortisol and things you can do to lower adrenaline because that's a very important part in, in your health and managing your body weight and when you're constantly excessively training in high intensity zone it can be really counterproductive because it can take up to 24 to 48 hours for blood sugar levels to get back normal so you can i've had people say to me uh, I, the, the day that I ride or the day that I did a lot of high intensity, I don't feel too bad. But the next day, I feel like I could eat my, chew my arm off because you're working out in such a high intensity zone. And then you're just cutting your calories, cutting your glucose. Your body's like, okay, enough is enough. Like, what are you doing to me? You feel like you can eat a horse. That's no way to live. It's if you're trying to lose weight, that's no way to live. But zone two training, moderate level intensity can change your life. Now, this is not necessarily bad, however, and I want to make a, like a distinction where here, if you are training above the anaerobic zone, or if you are constantly training above, above the anaerobic zone, triggering stress hormones, 
your blood sugar does not normalize. So I want to make a distinction there that it's not bad to train in a high intensity zone, but when you're always training in high intensity, you don't give your body time to normalize itself. And remember what they say, variety is the spice of life. These always tell me that. I know you've heard that before. I think anybody, no matter where you are in the world, maybe if you speak a different language, of course, in English, that's a different conversation. But so we have some saying along the lines of variety is the spice of life, right? So have a mixture of moderate and high intensity days, especially if you're trying to lose weight. I recommend no more than two high intensity days and three moderate days. Uh, now, keep in mind too, that with the, you can mix in, you know, training, uh, weight training and stuff like that has to be mixed in. And weight training is more along this line of moderate, unless you're throwing the weights up in the air and doing backflips or some of the crazy things on YouTube, right? So high intensity, don't think of high intensity as cardio though, because high intensity can, 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 you can use weights at high intensity, to be honest. I was kind of joking earlier. So you can, um, but if we talk about slow, moderate weight training, you want to do that at least three possibly four times a four times a week if you can with um with high intensity about two times a week this way you can take care take the advantage of the benefits of both types of exercise so there it is it's not complex it just gives you an idea you can work with a trainer or you know you can just experiment until you find out what works for you but the moral of the story is you need a variety and variety can look different for everyone. Even though I generally recommend no more than two high, um, high intensity days and about three to four moderate days. I a little different. I do car. I do have uh, I do train twice a day for most days. So I do high intensity about two times a week, maybe three, depending on what I'm training for specifically. And then I weight train six days a week. So that's me. So I just want to give you an idea of how it can look different. But for the general public, you want to think about what I said earlier. No more than two high intensity, three to four moderate. You should be more than fine. Next week, I'm going to, um, next week short, I'm going to talk about um, the benefits of high intensity training. So that's why I'm going to go there. Just so that you know, again, that I'm not bastardizing high intensity training, but there are benefits, and I'll go over that in next week's in short. So thank you so much, fam. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.